And we're looking at the story of these um, young guys who are living far from home. Um, the, I started looking at this passage, and the first thing that hit me, and the, I choose the word hit, okay, uh, deliberately, is the way it begins. You look at the beginning of Daniel, chapter 1, and straight away, there's kind of like a loud bang, isn't there? Uh, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. We don't have any kind of, there's no introduction, there's no kind of, this is the story of Daniel, there's no kind of, um, oh, we're going to present to you something or anything like that. It's just pow, and uh, there's war. Uh, the end of the world as we know it. And uh, here we have this situation then. And we're looking at um, verse 1 and 2 to begin with under this title, Le Seigneur Livra. Uh, uh, in English, the, this heading is, And the Lord. Yeah, just, And the Lord, verse 1 and 2. Um, why did this happen? Well, it happened because of historical circumstances. Yeah, there was an empire uh, called Assyria. The Assyrian Empire occupied the country that roughly Syria is in today. And so the, the capital of the Assyrian Empire was Damascus. Yeah, just like the capital of Syria is Damascus. Now that is a, um, a, a reminder to us to be praying for this part of the world at the moment, isn't it? Because still there's trouble in where once was Assyria. Uh, and so uh, later on we'll pray for the country of Syria and for Damascus. Uh, but then the Assyrian Empire was collapsing. And uh, when it collapsed, it also took away the uh, northern kingdom of Israel. Sometimes when I refer to the people of God in this, in this book, I will talk about Judah. When I remember, I'll talk about Judah, but sometimes I'll say Israel. But really, we use the word Israel for the ten northern tribes and they disappeared with, with the Assyrian Empire. They were in exile in Assyria. The empire collapses and nobody knows what, what happened to those people. They were just mixed in with the general mix of, of, of people at that time. Uh, replacing Assyria, there was, there's always a power, isn't there? There's got to be a power. You can't have a vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum. And so there was rivalry between Egypt way down in the south, and Babylon over in the east. And it was Babylon that rolled through, uh, that um, vanquished Egypt, didn't conquer Egypt, but it beat Egypt in decisive battles, and incidentally laid siege to Jerusalem and took, um, placed a vassal king, Jehoiakim, a, a, a puppet king, yeah, under the control of Babylon, and also took the cream of uh, Israel society, young guys, I love the description of them, um, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's uh, palace. Um, de jeunes garçons sans défaut physique, beau, doué de perspicacité et de sagesse, instruits et intelligents, Capable de servir dans le Paris du Roi. Uh, it made me think of Friday night in Bordeaux Church, you know. 
um, when we were remarking um, how many guys there were in Bordeaux Church. I thought, yeah, we're, it's, a, it's a gang of Daniels that we have. Well, maybe. Um, <laughs> time will tell. Um, but they're taken off to Babylon. Um, and you think, well, it's like that today, isn't it? Empires rise, empires fall. Uh, well, not empires. Now it's multinational companies, isn't it? But also uh, kings arise, rulers arise, presidents arise, uh, and they fall, and regimes rise and fall, nations come into being and disappear. Um, it's just like today. And history kind of rolls on, and we all get caught up in it. But these verses tell us that there's something else going on. Because look at the beginning of verse 2. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Yeah? Uh, verse 2. Le Seigneur livra entre ses mains Joachim, le roi de Judah, et une partie des ustensiles de la maison de Dieu, and some of the articles from the temple of God. The thing about God is, God keeps his word. Okay? God keeps his word. God had promised to the nation that they would inherit that land, they would be a blessing to all the nations, but they must stay faithful to him. And if they didn't, if they didn't, you can read in Leviticus 26 how God would boot them out. He would boot them out of the land because the land was his, not theirs. Yeah? The earth is the Lord's. It doesn't belong to you or to me or to them. And God promised that if they, if they would not be faithful to him, he would boot them out. He would evict them from the land. Isaiah 39, a warning is given. Return to me or I will keep my word and I will boot you out. And indeed they didn't return to him. And so they were booted out of the land. God keeps his word. But there's a question that should arise in our minds. How will that look? You know, if God's people are booted out of God's land that he promised to Abraham and to his descendants, if they're booted out, and if some of the articles of the temple of God are taken, won't people misunderstand? Won't they think that that means <coughs> that the gods of Babylon are stronger than the God of Israel? Won't they think Marduk has won? We have this kind of idea of um, history yeah, that, that we've kind of swallowed, that we kind of believe. We kind of believe that democracy will win, don't we? We believe in democracy. We think that's really important. And so we kind of believe that in countries where there's struggles and so on, that eventually democracy will win. That's our kind of myth that we live by at the moment. I don't know whether that's true or not. History will tell. But in those days, they believed in their gods. And the gods of Babylon were Marduk and a whole host of other people. And everyone would think that Marduk was stronger than the God of Israel. Surely God can't boot his people out. What will it look like? I want to tell you something really important. The God of all the earth does not care much about saving face. Yeah? The God of all the earth does not care much about saving face. If he looks to have lost, he doesn't care much. 
I tell you why that's important to you and to me. Because at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, everyone looked and it looked as if the Lord Jesus Christ was the biggest fool you could ever meet. Yeah? He'd, he'd talked about building his church. He talked about gathering a people. He talked about his sheep, my sheep, hear my voice. He said, I have other sheep that don't belong to the sheepfold. Um, people had put their faith and trust in him. And now here he was crucified. And people were saying, what a clown, you know. They put a title on his, on his uh, cross, didn't they? This is the king of the Jews. They wanted to change it to, I said I was the king of the Jews. Because even, even the people who clamored for him to be crucified thought it was shameful. The king of the Jews. But he was. God does not care much about losing face. He will do whatever it takes to save his people. And that's the glory of God. That is God's glory. He doesn't think of glory like you do. You think of glory in terms of people admiring you. And people thinking you're wonderful. And people thinking you're excellent. And people thinking you're strong. And he thinks of glory in a quite different way. He humbles himself. He's the God who humbles himself. Uh, he'll do anything to save his people. And so the Lord delivered them into, uh, into the hands of their enemies. <clears throat> Next heading, uh, assimilation. Assimilation. Now this is a big long section, okay? Um, from verse 3 down to verse 16. So um, we've got a lot to talk about here, okay? So I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know, what do empires do when they take a country? <clears throat> well, um, I am British, so I know what Brit the British Empire did. But I kind of think that in France, they probably did the same thing. And I'm looking to French people who know their history to, um, to confirm that for me. And in Babylon, they certainly did it. What the British Empire did was it would go into a country and it would conquer. It would take the country. But then it would look for... People who were promising. People who looked kind of like they could take responsibility and be trusted with authority. And so they would select people and train them up and make them into civil servants. They would teach them British culture, British values. And then they would teach them how to organise a country in the British way. They would teach them to have tea and cakes at four in the afternoon. And very often, the people in these colonies would become, in their habits, more British than the British. And, um, and that was the policy that the British Empire kind of followed. Now, um, French people here who know their history, did, did that happen in, in... Well, I know it did because I visited Francophone Africa. And I've eaten the baguettes, yeah? I had baguettes with, um, with Nutella for breakfast. It wasn't Nutella with hazelnuts, it was Nutella with peanuts... But it was just like in France. And with kind of French coffee too. You know? Um, sometimes more French than France. Um, and so that was what Babylon did too. They looked for promising people to train up to become officials. Uh, and so we meet our friends. And our friends are called Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Oh yeah, I need this, don't I? Because I've got some notes in this that I, I need to... Um, to have uh, before me. But we see something important about these friends, and that is simply this. They're important to us. They weren't the only people that Babylon had, um, had taken. 
but they're important to us because God is in their lives. Okay? God is at work in these people. They're in Babylon, but they're also uh, in God. Yeah? And God is in them. And so God is at work in their lives, and that makes them special. Now, they're, in, they're enrolled in a three-year program. Look at verse 5. Yeah? They're going to be trained for three years. And that three-year program involved four different things. Okay? The first thing, they were going to be given an education. They were going to be trained in the literature and language of the Babylonians. Then they were going to join the civil service. They were going to become fonctionnaires. Yeah, they were going to have a fonction publique. Thirdly, they were going to be uh, called by Babylonian names. Their names were going to be Babylonisé. Um, when you apply for French citizenship, you can ask for francisation uh, du nom de famille. You can ask for your family name to be turned into something like French. Um, and that's exactly what they did. They did a, a babylonisation of their family, of their names. And then fourthly, they were going to be given une prime, une prime, en complément de salaire. And this prime was going to be the rich food and wine from the table of the king. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It's a good package. Um, now, some things you need to remember. Firstly, about education. Look at the end of the chapter. Verse 20. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than what? Than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Babylon is not a secular state. They're not being trained in physics, geography, mathematics. Well, I mean, they are, but everything comes down to Babylonian mythology and the way the Babylonians believed the world worked because of their gods. Yeah? Babylonian gods are at the heart of everything. Everything revolves around Babylon's false gods, and nothing is really neutral. Now, there's some remarkable things that we see here. Firstly, they accept to study. Yeah? They accept to study. They, they study the Babylonian language and literature and the culture of the Babylonians. And, and that's remarkable, isn't it? They're going to be taught all about Marduk and how the gods gave birth to the, to the universe and, and how Marduk is involved in the running of the state. And, and they're going to learn all of that. And yet they accept to study the culture of the Babylonians. You can study something without swallowing it. Yeah? On peut étudier quelque chose sans l'avaler. On n'est pas obligé d'avaler tout ce qu'on uh, apprend. Um, I've got a quote here from a guy called um, Christopher Wright. He says, They needed to know what the Babylonians believed. They didn't need to believe it themselves. There is surely a lesson there that speaks to the challenge of living as believers within secular culture. We need to understand the culture we live in, without sharing its belief system. Yeah? Now, you and I today, we live in a, a, a culture where people's root beliefs are not the same as ours. And sometimes we feel uncomfortable when we're doing our studies. You study sociology, 
and you won't be studying the nature of man from a biblical angle. Nobody will tell you that man is made in the image of God. They'll study man as some kind of advanced animal. Uh, You study biological sciences. And nobody is going to tell you that uh, God has designed the world in a marvelous way. They're not going to do that. You study chemistry and there's there's no, it's going to be a a foundation of, of strictly material kind of ideas. You study history and um, uh, it really depends on the presuppositions of your teachers. Used to be Marxist years ago, didn't it? But now um, history tends to be kind of uh, uprooted and there's no idea of of any kind of progress. It's just things that happen. Uh, You don't have to swallow the worldview of everything that you learn. Yeah? You can learn and study and analyse and critique from a distance. Okay, so they accept a study. They accept a political career. Yeah? Um, La fonction publique. And they're doing that for Babylon. For the the empire that has rolled in and uh, conquered their country. And not only for Babylon, the French one puts it better. The French translation. They're studying for Shinar. Why is it put as Shinar? Because Shinar takes you all the way back to the Tower of Babel. Uh, Human endeavour, human pride, human accomplishment. We will build a tower and reach uh, to the heavens and make a name for ourselves. That's Babylon. And they're serving Babylon. But they're clear in their mind. They are clear that in serving Babylon, they are serving someone higher still. They never lose sight of the fact that they're serving God. Yeah? Um, They may have had in mind other people who've had to serve other empires. Joseph. Joseph. Who served the Egyptian empire. And uh, was a, a means of saving multitudes of people by his service for God. He was aware that he was serving God. And so it's possible too for us. To serve our countries because we are serving God. Yeah? They accept a name change. Uh, The Babylonisation des Noms. And this is enormous. Because, uh, you know, uh, my name is Alan. And I do know what that means. But it wouldn't matter a lot if it was turned into French. Because I think it exists in French anyway. Um, It it wouldn't be any skin off my nose if... if, uh, if they decided to, that I had to take a French name, because I could say, bon, voilà, c'est Alan, uh, et ça marche. Um, David, bon, pourquoi David, idée à la fin, et ça pourrait marcher, hein, je crois. It, it, we don't think of names so importantly. Uh, when we came to France first, I said to Gwilym and Catherine, I said, if you want, you can become Guillaume and Catherine, and um, they decided not to. But, you know, it doesn't make a lot of difference, really, does it? Um, but for them, it did. Because you look at what Daniel means. I don't think I put it up there, did I? I haven't got it on the screen. Um, Daniel means God is judge. Yeah? God is judge. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Mishael means who is like God. Azariah means Yahweh is my keeper. He's my keeper. 
And now look at the names they're given. What names are they given? They're given um, Belteshazzar. Bel was one of the Babylonian gods. Yeah? It's not just that they decide to call me Alan. They decide to call me Napoleon. Or something like that. I don't know. Or Louis. Um, Hananiah, Shadrach. Again, it's got uh, Ach in it, is one of the Babylonian gods. To Mishael, Mishach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Nego was another Babylonian god. So again, nothing is neutral. Nothing is neutral. It's not just names to them. They're being called by Babylonian names. And that's enormous. I wonder whether anyone's ever called you a funny name. Um, in Britain, sometimes, if you're serious about being a Christian, they'll call you a Bible basher or a Bible thumper or one of the God squad. In Welsh, they call you one of the crew do. Um, I wonder whether anyone's called you a name because of your Christian uh, conviction. Um, what did they call Jesus? They called him glutton, drunkard. They called him a sinner. They said he's, he's someone who's, who's bad. He's a bad man. Uh, they called him a blasphemer. And he was God. And they called him a blasphemer. Uh, you know, um, they, they accepted. They accepted to be called these awful names, these dreadful names. And so they go a long way, don't they? They really kind of take a lot in their um, contextu contextualization in Babylon. They accept a lot of things. But there's one thing they don't accept. They draw the line at eating the rich meat and uh, the royal food and wine from the king's table. Uh, they resolved not to defile themselves. They said, if we eat this, they, that will defile us. Ils refusent la prime. Bon. Uh, Est-ce qu'on refuse des primes? Ils sont fous, ces juifs. Hein? Um, but they did. They refused the good food that came from the king's table. Now, why? Okay. This is where we get into the, into the swamp, okay? Because um, there are lots of different ideas about why they refuse this food. And I've got four to suggest to you. The first is, was it because of Jewish food laws? Um, was it because there may be pork in there? There may be animals that they weren't allowed to eat. There may be shellfish. Um, the other week was the Chinese church inauguration. And the pastor said, we'll have a good, good Chinese meal afterwards. He said, whatever you do, don't ask what's in it. He said, for us, the more legs, the better the meat. Um, well, you know, for Daniel and his friends, maybe it was that. Maybe it would defile them, breaking the Jewish food laws. Yeah, but they refused the wine. And there's no problem with wine in, in the Jewish food laws. Okay. Um, one guy, and I don't want to tell you who it is, but I'll tell you privately afterwards. He wrote a book called uh, The Daniel Plan. Maybe you've seen it. Some of you have seen it. Um, and he recommends a plan uh, that involves just eating vegetables because this will be good for your health. The Daniel Plan. And it's someone famous who some of you have heard of who uh, wrote this book. Frankly, I don't think it's that. I don't think Daniel uh, has decided to follow the Daniel plan, you know. Um, 
Another suggestion that I heard was that in refusing the meat and only eating vegetables, they were putting themselves in a situation where they needed God's miraculous intervention for them to be able to survive. Uh, Well, I know a lady who hasn't eaten meat or eggs or milk or fish now for how long? Yeah, you're looking pretty good on it, actually. Yeah, and to be honest with you, uh, until recently, most of the world didn't eat a lot of meat, you know? Um, That's why when you go to a restaurant, they put lots of meat in front of you. uh, Because that's special, you know, to eat meat. Uh, Most of us were too poor to to afford meat. Um, I could tell you a story about that later, but I I don't want to get too kind of involved in silly stories about the English language. But I'll tell you later. Um... Why then do they refuse it if it's not because it needs, you need a miracle to survive as a vegetarian? I don't think you do. Um, well, I think it's this. If they accept the rich food and wine from the king's table, they're accepting a kind of privilege from the king. They're becoming the king's privileged people. Um, and... and They want to keep the king at a distance. Okay, they have to be his servants, but they don't have to be his friends. Il travaille pour le roi, mais il n'est pas nécessaire de devenir ses copains. Et quand on mange ensemble, on devient copain. It's that. They, they need to keep their distance from this king. Yeah, assimilate, but they can't just become the king's mates. Yeah? Um, it's a question of where their loyalty is. Is their loyalty to the country, to the king? Uh, is he going to buy them with all this rich food? Or can they keep their loyalty to their God? And for them then, that's a step too far. And they draw the line. Um, it makes me think of the Lord Jesus Christ. On the night when he's betrayed... And he says to, the, to his disciples, look, one of you is going to betray me. And the disciples are all going, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? They all say that except one. And Jesus says, it's the one who puts his hand in the dish with mine. He's eaten with me. You know, he's eaten with me. We've spent three years together. We couldn't be closer And it's he who's going to betray me. And there's something so awful about that, isn't there? That betrayal is so... uh, It's inhuman somehow. It's wrong. The one who eats with me. And so they don't want to get into that position with the king. Because he's not really their king. There is a king. And their king is higher. And, and so they can't accept this privilege from the king. And so they refuse. It's a bit like this. It's a bit like the king saying, look, you know, idolize me. Love me. Love me. Idolize me. And uh, they can't do that. Because they have a God. And he's the one that they adore. Um, and so they refuse. And they refuse respectfully. Yeah? And they refuse because they trust God. And they refuse. And the official says, well, no way. I can't, I can't do that. I'll get into trouble. I'll lose my head if I don't feed you this food. Uh, but they find another official. Um, and they say, look, you know, can you, can you do this, please? Uh, can you try us? 
Just give us uh, two weeks on, on vegetables alone, and they do it, and they're fine. They're fine. And so they're able to refuse the king's food. This issue, you know, of, of who you put first in your life is really important. And, and I want to suggest something to you uh, this evening that I think is really important for us all to, to work through. Very often in life, we want to be adored, you know? We want to be idolized. We want to be adored. I remember someone saying to me once um, about her husband, I just love it when he adores me. And it made me think of a little friend of mine uh, who, if ever I said something like, Oh, j'adore le chocolat. On a Dieu. She would say, On a Dieu. We only worship God. We don't worship chocolate. We only worship God. And I think there's something really important in that. You know, um, guys, girls who are single here, don't look for someone who's going to adore you, who's going to worship you. Look for someone who, who will worship Jesus and love you for his sake. Yeah? If you do that, then you'll have a relationship which is stable and which is holy and which is healthy. But you look for someone who will adore you and that is already unhealthy. It's already a big problem because they're looking to you to fulfill needs that you can't fulfill. They're putting you on a pedestal and none of us belongs on a pedestal. They're looking to you for needs that you can't fulfill. Yeah? So if you're... If you're um, Open and available. Only be open and available to someone who loves Jesus more than you. Yeah? Can I put it like that? And I think that's really important. Make sure that you don't get into any kind of relationship with someone who doesn't love Jesus more than you. Parce que on a you. Okay. We're in the home straight. Phew. Um, last uh, but one, and the last one is really, really little. Uh, verse 17 to 20. God gave. Look at the things that God gave in this passage. And it's a little bit hidden in our translations. But in verse 2, God gave Jehoiakim into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. In French, le Seigneur livra entre ses mains. But really the, the verb is donner. Il a donné entre les mains de Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, verse 8. God gave Daniel favor with the official. And that's hidden in our English and French translations too. Verse 17, though, and we can see it clearly in the English here, um, and kind of in the French. God gave knowledge and understanding to these four young men. You know, God gave them knowledge and understanding. God smiled on them. And made them strong. They worked hard on their studies. They did. Um, Hebrew at that time was very similar to what Hebrew is today. But the Babylonians wrote in cuneiform. Cuneiform is triangles that you press into clay in very complicated patterns. And it's, it's really, really hard, apparently. I don't know cuneiform, you know. I wouldn't know cuneiform if they hit me over the head with it. Um, but they had to know cuneiform, and anyone who's wrestled with the conjugation of moudre or petre 
or any of the other conjugations that are really, really hard in French, you know, you haven't lived until you've tried to learn cuneiform. Yeah. So they worked hard on their studies. But in addition to that, they knew things that the other students didn't. Why? Because they knew someone the other students didn't. And they had a worldview in place that made sense. The Babylonian worldview didn't make sense, but their worldview did. The way they saw the world, created by this loving and glorious God who had made everything uh, perfect, but then the world had fallen into, into, um, into rebellion and sin. Uh, they understood why the world is like it is, but the Babylonians didn't. Uh, and you, um, I'm sure that Christian kids brought up in school uh, and Christian kids in university and Christians who are in the workplace, uh, because of our understanding of how the world is, you know, we have a worldview that works, it functions, it makes sense. Not only that, we, we have a reason to live. We, we understand that the world is going somewhere. And that makes a huge difference to us. And so, um, because God was, was first in their lives, they were uh, loving him and serving him best. But that also gave them advantage over the Babylonian students. And they ended up being ten times better. Not because they put Babylon first, but because they put God first. We love and serve best when Christ has the first place in our hearts. Yeah? We love and serve best when Christ has the first place in our hearts. Okay, the big footnote. We're right at the end now. Look at verse 21. <clears throat> the big footnote. It looks so short, doesn't it? And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Telle fut la situation de Daniel jusqu'à la première année du, du règne de Cyrus. And you think, okay, uh, what's that all about? Well, the thing is, you know, um, Babel, the Babylon Empire came in with the collapse of Assyria. Well, you know, all, what comes around goes around. And Babylon, in its turn, collapsed. It collapsed. And uh, in swept the Persian Empire from what is now uh, Iran, yeah? Swept down from Iran. Babylonian Empire is in Iraq. Assyrian Empire in Syria, grosso modo, okay? More or less. Um, but the Persian Empire sweeps down. Cyrus of Persia uh, sweeps down and takes uh, the land. And so, um, who have we got here? Uh, we've got Nebuchadnezzar. Well, he's gone. Belshazzar. He's gone. We'll meet Belshazzar later on. He's gone. They've all gone. Uh, Cyrus comes in and Daniel is still there. And we make this point a lot, don't we? Um, but it, it's worth repeating. You will outlive the Fifth Republic. Some people say, oh, well, you know, the Fifth Republic, we need a Sixth Republic anyway. Uh, well, if there's a Sixth Republic, you'll outlive the Sixth Republic. We will outlive the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. We will outlive the United States of America. You know, the day will come when America will collapse. I have no doubt of it. America one day will be a, a fond and distant memory. Uh, our countries in Africa will, will have disappeared. 
Um, because the Lord Jesus Christ will sweep in. <laughs> he won't sweep in like Cyrus. He won't sweep in with that kind of uh, bloodthirsty and, and crushing rain. He'll sweep in with his worldwide reign of peace and love and joy. And, and we'll be there. We'll be there. Like Daniel, who sees Cyrus come in. We'll be there to greet the Lord Jesus Christ. We will either see him come or we will rise to meet him. But one way or another, we'll be there. And all the kind of petty um, problems of history and the huge, great problems of history, they'll all be behind us and the world will be united in, in a, a, a worldwide reign of peace and of justice and of truth and of love. And we'll be there. And uh, Daniel promises, points us to that reality. We'll be there. Why? Because... Because we're like Daniel, you know. Uh, how was he described? <clears throat> Without any physical defect. Handsome. Aptitude for every kind of learning. Well informed, quick to understand. Qualified to serve in the king's palace. Is that why we'll be there? No. We'll be there because of Jesus. Because of God. Because of God giving us his favour in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he did everything necessary to save a people for himself who would be his forever. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be a Christian and to have the Lord Jesus Christ in the first place in your life. When he is in first place in your life, other things can fall into place. If he is not in first place in your life, everything else will be out of place. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this chapter uh, of your word. Thank you for these uh, four young men who you were able to sustain and to strengthen and to make prosper in these difficult, uh, catastrophic circumstances. And we thank you that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we too can stand and be strong and prosper because of your love for us in him. Help us then, we pray. Help us to, to understand these things and to, to really um, see the importance of the Lord Jesus Christ and the wonder of his love and the glory of his cross and the way that he humbled himself and gave himself to win us. And please, uh, may we, every one of us, give him the first place in our lives so that our lives can fall into place and take, we can take our place in his great and glorious kingdom. Hear us, we pray, because we come in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand to sing again, and we're going to sing before we uh, come to the Lord's table.